Good morning. Uh, today we continue our journey through the Gospel of Mark. So if you have a Bible or you have an app or you just have memorized Scripture, which is like a really solid move and you can recall Book of Mark, uh, turn there. Mark chapter 7, picking up in verse 31. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee, in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears, and after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. So Jesus has been on a trip a little bit business, a little bit pleasure, having a good time. Uh, Tyre and Sidon are on the coast. They would be on the, the coast of the, uh, the Mediterranean. So, you know, he kind of tripped over that way, spent a few days at the beach, and it was cool. Um, I don't know what Jesus at the beach would be like, but I would imagine that beach days with Jesus are just awesome. Not a cloud in the sky, surf's not too rough, just perfect. And then, uh, and then, you know, they start making their way back. And uh, I'm not sure if the disciples ever knew where they were going. I mean, all the walking around, all the travel they do, and I just got to wonder, you know, do they ever have a clear expectation of where the next destination is? Or are they literally, Jesus, Jesus, are we there yet? Jesus, Jesus, are we there yet? I mean, you know, and, and is like one of them, like with a map, do they have maps? I don't know. And their map and they're turning around. They're like, I don't know where we, he's driving. I, he must know where we're going. So they take this long detour and they come around the Sea of Galilee and they enter into this, this region on the far side of the Dead Sea. It's called the Decapolis. This entire area is called the Decapolis, uh, which means the 10 cities in Greek. Because several hundred years, 300 years-ish before this, uh, Alexander the Great was like really big in the world and pretty much took it all over. And uh, as a Greek, everywhere he went, he sort of planted Greek culture. And Greek culture really like was solid in this region. I mean, they really took to it. They were Hellenistic. They were like... This whole Greek thing is really cool. Have you tried the feta and the black olives? It's sweet. Um, and, and so they sort of, these folks, though they were Jewish, they sort of really accepted, they really took to Greek culture, which at the same time made them pagan and like rejected by the rest of Israel. But, you know, they were still part of the people. And so Jesus has previously been 
to this region he's coming into now. It didn't go real well. Because the last time he was here, I mean, on one hand, he cured this guy of being demon-possessed, which, yay. On the other hand, he, like, slaughtered, well, he drowned an entire herd of pigs to do it. So, I mean, that right there tells you these weren't your common Jews because they're, they're herding pigs. And they're appreciating the beauty of bacon long before the rest of the people are going to get it. Which, no, sidetrack, not going to do that. So it went really, and the, you know, the whole herd of pigs go into the ocean, and the people are just like, dude, what? Oh, now all we got are sheep. Lamb is gross. You're just causing too much trouble. Can you leave, please? I mean, yeah, the party was great, but now you just ruined it for everybody. Can you just go? And the thing about Jesus is, whether it be then, whether it be now, Jesus is too much a gentleman. Jesus is too respectful to stay anywhere with anyone who does not desire his company. So Jesus, they're like, would you please leave? And Jesus is like, hey, cool, 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 cool. Gets in a boat, goes back home. But just because Jesus is too respectful to stay with you if you don't want him, does not mean from time to time he is not going to swing back around just to check in. Say, hey, or hey, yeah, you can't, I can stick around, I can stay. Cool, all right, cool, I'll, just, I'll be right here. I'll be quiet, no more, no more pig death. And so that's what he's doing. He's like, you know what, it's been a while since we were over there. It's been a while since we were dealing with those folks. Let's just swing back around, see if attitudes have changed a little bit. So he comes into town, and he's keeping a low profile, just in general, because, you know, people unhappy, he killed the pigs. Oh, all the Romans and Jewish leaders want to kill him, that sort of thing. So on the down low, he sweeps into town, he comes into this place, and instantly somebody's like, hey, it's Jesus! Oh, good thing, bad thing? He's like, ah. And they're like, hey, 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 meet our friend. And so they bring their friend to Jesus, which happens a lot in the Bible. A lot of the stories we get of miraculous healings from Jesus start with friends who brought a friend. You see, friends bring friends to Jesus. So they bring their friend, and he's like, hey, cool, nice to meet you, nice to meet you, Bob, Ed, Joe, cool, nice to meet you guys, uh, what's the story? And they're like, well, I'm Bob, this is Ed, this is our friend Joe, and Joe can't hear. Okay, cool, cool, well, no, I've seen this before. And Joe can't speak. Well, Joe can speak, but he's got a speech impediment. Now, the fact that Joe can speak, but he can't hear would sort of seem to indicate that maybe at one point in time he could hear. And he heard long enough to be able to pick up the ability to speak. He picked up the language, but then he went deaf, and whether or not it's connected, we don't know, but he also then developed a speech impediment, which kept him from being able to effectively communicate. So you've got this guy who can't hear, and he can't speak. 
And in this day, at this time, an inability of hear and an inability to speak would have effectively cut you off from pretty much all communication, all interaction, all communal life. I mean, I'm sure there was some rudimentary communication, you know, food, water, hi, nice to see you. I mean, this is universal, right? You got to imagine, even in Jesus' day, a wave meant a wave, right? But that was it. And so, so this guy was so blessed to have friends who stuck by him. I mean, in this moment, a person who was deaf and couldn't speak was even more cut off from community than a leper. At least lepers could hang out with other lepers. And they could talk. And they could share stories. And they could commiserate. And they could commune with one another. But somebody unable to communicate just didn't have that. And so they're like, this is our friend Joe, and we would really love it if you could just, you know, do, do your Jesus thing. You know, the thing you do. You know, we've heard the stories. If you could just do that, that would be so sweet. So she's like, yeah, 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 yeah. No, cool, cool. I get it, I get it. Now, of course, because Jesus is on the scene, where Jesus goes, crowds will follow. In this particular instance, Jesus is like, all right, Joe, come with me. Come on. And he kind of takes him aside around the corner of the building into an alley. I don't know. Maybe, maybe the 12 disciples were with him, and they're, they're sort of circling him in, giving him, giving him some privacy, making a wall. Because this was a, this was a very private moment. And, and part of it, I think, was because he wanted to cut Joe off from everything else. At this point, Joe, our, blind fr- our, our deaf friend, is visually oriented. So I... I I don't know because I've never been, but I imagine if you can't hear and you can't speak, your eyes are like your only way of taking in information. And I got to imagine if you're awake, your eyes are just going. Your eyes are taking in everything. And so just for this moment, Jesus wants to eliminate as much distraction as possible because he wants Joe focused right here. Like, Joe, Joe, look at me right here. And so, and so and maybe even, like, Jesus' back is to a wall, and he's got Joe looking straight at him. So all Joe sees is Jesus and a wall. And so Jesus takes his fingers, and he comes up to Joe, and he's like, takes his fingers, and he puts his fingers in his ears. And then he takes them out. And I think he was communicating, and I, I, I would assume... Joe would have understood Jesus is saying, I'm going to unblock your ears. And then this part gets a little unclear. But it says, Jesus spit, and then he touched his tongue. The core of my being really wants to believe, really wants to hope that Jesus was like, bro, it's dry in here. And then touch Joe's tongue. I think it's probably not the case, though. 
I think Jesus is like, And then he touched Joe's tongue. And gross as that sounds, I think Joe would have understood, hey, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to fix your tongue. I'm going to fix your inability to speak. And then Jesus stands in front of him. And it says, Jesus looks to the heavens and he sighs. Some translations say he groans. And he says, Ephatha. And this is one of only like six or eight instances in all four, um, and actually in the Old Testament, you know, and sorry, New Testament, in the entire New Testament, six or eight instances where the actual Aramaic word is kept in the text. So you have to understand, in the time, Jesus, in the moment, in every moment of Scripture, would have been speaking in Aramaic. But when his words and his actions were written, they were written in Greek. Because Alexander the Great, Greek was the language of the world at this time. And then that Greek is translated into the English, which you have in your Bible. But for some reason, there are these instances where the writer of Scripture, whatever Scripture it might be, said, I'm going to keep this Aramaic word in here. I want them to, I want them to see. I want them to hear. So when, when we see that word, Ephatha, I mean, that is literally the word of Jesus. That is literally what Jesus said. So he's got Joe in front of him. He's indicated, I'm going to unblock your ears. I'm going to fix your, your, your speech. He looks to heaven and he groans. And it says, he's looking at heaven and says to him, Ephatha, which means be opened. Which would seem to indicate, I'm, going to, I'm, I'm asking heaven that Joe's ears be opened and that his mouth be opened. And then sure enough, Joe's ears are open. It's a little unclear what, you know, what exactly is, is the course of action here. I mean, does Jesus say Ephatha and then his ears are opened? Or is that Ephatha literally the first word Joe hears? And, and you've got to imagine what this moment would have been like, what it would have been like for Joe to all of a sudden have his hearing back. I mean, if you're anywhere on social media, certainly you've seen those moments where the, the videos where somebody gets the cochlear implants and hears for the first time. And it's just, I mean, you know, it, it's one of a, a handful of a certain category of videos in social media that every time, tears, baby, tears. And I am not ashamed to say it. Because it's, it's a level and an expression of joy you just don't see in the world the rest of us live in. We, we rarely have those moments of just pure, unadulterated joy. And when we see that, when we witness that, it connects with something deep inside us and it 
requires a response. And I think that's what it was like in this moment for Joe. And he's like, and, and not only that, he can hear, but he can speak. He can speak perfectly and clearly. And so Joe is like, is like, you know, he can hear and he can see and he can talk. And I got to imagine Joe never stopped talking the rest of his life. I mean, his friends, you know, down the road are like, hey, remember that time we took Joe to Jesus? Good idea, Bob. Didn't see it going like that, did you? And so Joe's just overjoyed. And Bob and Ed, they're overjoyed. And Jesus is like, I am so glad, you know, Joe, good on you. I am so glad I could be here for you guys today. Go, be blessed. Do me one little solid, if you would. If you could just not tell anybody about this. If you could just, you know, under your hat. You don't have a hat. You don't know what that means. If you could just kind of keep it to yourselves. Which is weird. Because last time Jesus was in this, this same region. And he, he performed a healing of, of the demon-possessed man, the demon-possessed man was like, oh my God, like literally, oh my God, I want, I want to come with you. I want to follow you. I want to, I want to be your follower. I want to go where you go and do what you do. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. What I want you to do is I want you to stay here. And I want you to tell everyone what has happened to you. And maybe, maybe this is guy's story. Maybe him sharing, maybe him sharing his story over and over and over again, near and far, is why when Jesus comes back, his welcome is a little bit more inviting than he might have otherwise expected. But even though in that case he said, go and share this story, in this instance, he's telling these guys, don't. Just and there's several occasions we see throughout scripture where Jesus does something like this and he's like, Look, let's just kind of keep it between us. Just be cool. Bro, be cool. I mean, on one hand, I'm like, okay, I, I understand you're, you're laying low, but Jesus, why, why would you not want this story shared? On the other hand, I'm like, Jesus, really? I mean, you're Jesus. How in your Jesus-y mind can you think you're going to do this, and the guy is going to keep it to himself. If something like this happened to you, would you be able to keep that to yourself? No. I mean, for the simple fact that people are talking about you behind your back, and you're like, hey, I heard that. And they're like, oh, snap, you can hear. Yes, I can. Very well, thank you. And by the way, I can speak. Well, there's a backstory here, Joe. Tell us, fill us in. I uh, woke up like this. He's going to share the Jesus story. And, and oddly enough, Joe sharing the good news and this hopeful story of what Jesus did is just as wrong as all the occasions where Jesus tells somebody, share my good news with others, 
and they don't. And in that moment, you know, we come to the end of the story and people are like, wow, that's really cool. He, he can do cool stuff. He can even make deaf people hear. And it's like, where have you been? Have you not seen the other really cool stuff? Do you not remember the pigs? I mean, the pigs and the demons. I mean, hearing has got to be like, like there's a scale. You got to, I've never thought about it. Is there a scale of difficulty in Jesus' miracles? Like a feeding of 5,000 versus demons of hell. I would think demons of hell would be tougher, which would make, you know, death would be tougher than feeding, but like easier than demons. I don't know. And that would bring us to the end of the story. And it's a great story. And it shows us why I would be a terrible Jesus. I would just be so bad at being Jesus. I would be, I would be Oprah Jesus. I'd just be walking down and be like, healing for you, and healing for you, and you get a healing, and you get a healing, and you get a healing, and oh, you don't need a healing? Well, now you're sick. Now you got a healing. I would just be terrible at it. Because I think, for me, it would be too much about me. But see, we see in stories like this, and, and one, of the, one of the things I came across was the intimation that when a writer would leave that Aramaic word or phrase in the story, it was to really, to really bring you in. I mean, it's really drawing you. You're in here. You're in this moment. You're right there next to Jesus. And you can look over at him and you can hear him say, And in these moments, in a story like this, in this intimate tale, this this narrative that's been crafted for us, we can see that Jesus, in moments like this, sees the person he's dealing with. Jesus saw Joe. Jesus is surrounded by people. Jesus has all the power of heaven at his disposal, and yet he wants to know Joe. I see you. Hey, Joe, I'm going to make you hear. And Joe, I'm going to touch your tongue, and I'm going to fix it, and you're going to be able to speak. And, And part of it, I think, in looking up to heaven, he wanted Joe to know, Joe, this, heaven, this is where this healing is coming from. Because he wanted Joe to know. And I think in that moment, he was... He was saying, I'm going to make you hear, and I'm going to make you speak, and this is going to be a miracle from heaven. And I think there was an indication there that Jesus was trying to inflame some faith in Joe. Because we've seen time and time and time again throughout the course of, I can try moving this up, see if that does it. We've seen time and time again that In a healing, it was the faith that made the healing possible. In many cases, it was the faith of the people who brought the one to be healed. But I think, in this instance, Jesus is saying, Joe, have just a little bit of faith. Because you're about to see heaven come down into your life. 
And that was, and I, and I think in his heart, that was just enough faith for Joe to go, yeah, I believe. And if that's all the story is, I think that's enough. But I think there's more here. You see, I've said, time actually I've been saying for 20 years, because this is in fact the 20th anniversary year of the movie Shrek. Is that right? <laughs> Snap, it is. Yeah, I've been saying since Shrek came out, because ogres are like onions. Not like a parfait, like onions, because it has layers. And I've been saying for 20 years, the Bible is like an onion because the Bible has layers. The Bible has layers of intricacy that you can read a scripture for years and years and years. And then one day you come back to that scripture and you read it. And because of the passage of time and maturity and experience, all of a sudden the same scripture means the same thing. But now you see, wait a minute, there's... There's something else here. It's like, it's like a treasure map that's got another map underneath it. And so we have the story of Jesus and Joe, but I have to say, I have to wonder, Jesus is looking at heaven. He doesn't need heaven to be told to be open. Heaven is open to Jesus. And it says he says to Joe. But at this point... Joe can't hear. And so I can't help but wondering, was Jesus speaking the word Ephatha out loud? Was that actually intended for the other 12 who were standing there around them? You see, this entire trip Jesus takes is bookended by stories where the disciples have demonstrated their hard-heartedness. Instances where Jesus has shared some kind of insight into the kingdom of heaven, and the disciples are just like, bah, I don't get it. And Jesus is like, uh, you, still? Still. All right, let me get out the crayons. And I think in this instance, he's talking to Joe, but he's saying to the disciples, and by extension, because he knows his words will be recorded, his nose, his words will come down through the ages to you and to me and to this moment and to those who come after us. He's saying to all of us, Ephatha, be opened. Hey, disciples, be open. What is going on in your heart that you're just not getting the kingdom of heaven? Why is it so hard for you to receive what is being communicated to you by Jesus Christ himself? And I think by extension, he's saying to us, to each and every one of us, to you and to me, be opened. Maybe now, more than any time in history. Because I would have to say, the biggest failing 
of the church right now is it is filled with religious people who do not want to be and refuse to be open to Jesus. I mean, don't get me wrong. We love Jesus. We like Jesus. We want Jesus around. We want Jesus to hang out with us. We want Jesus to look after us. We want Jesus to take real good care of us. But other than that, Jesus, if you could just sort of stay in your own lane. You know, Jesus, uh, I'll drive. If you could just sit in the back seat and be quiet, I would greatly appreciate that. Jesus, if you could just sit in this glass box, and I will break it in case of emergency, that would be swell. You see, we don't want to be actually in relationship. We don't want to be open to Jesus because if we're open to Jesus, Jesus might start talking. Jesus might start directing. Jesus might start guiding. Jesus might start suggesting and telling and asking. And ooh, who wants that? He might tell me to do things I don't want to do. He might tell me to go places that would make me uncomfortable. He might want to actually take control of my life. And how horrible would that be, given just how awesome a job I'm doing with it on my own? Ephatha. Jesus was saying, heaven be opened. You be opened, and let there be a connection there. Let there be a two-way street, a back and forth, of heaven being poured out into you, and you pouring back out into heaven. So that would be my prayer for you today. That would be my suggestion, my guidance for you today. You, as you hear this, If you would be willing, Jesus says to you this morning, Ephatha, be opened. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your scripture. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your loving kindness and your patience to deal with us ever so lovingly ever so kindly, over and over and over again. Thank you for never giving up on us. Thank you that you never stop working. And I just pray this morning, Father, this afternoon, this evening, that you would come to each one of us that you would look into our eyes, that you would touch our hearts, and that you would give us the strength and the courage and the willingness to be open to you today and tomorrow and each day of our lives. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you Turn his countenance upon you and give you peace. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.